Hey everybody, Pastor Joe here. Welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Uh, today we're continuing on in our Lent series again and again as we turn to the Gospel according to John chapter 2, uh, early in Jesus' ministry, as he enters into the temple for the Passover festival. Uh, we see how this incident really sets the tone and the foundation for his uh, life and ministry to come, and we uh, see how his actions might be an example for us as how we see the world around us. Uh, check out this sermon. You know, a couple weeks back, I attended the memorial service of uh, Bishop Wilbur Choi. He is the uh, first Asian American bishop in the United Methodist Church. He was elected in 1972. I didn't know him well, but I was a longtime admirer from afar as I was learning more about his ministry in California and in here in the Pacific Northwest. And I don't know if this happens to you, but as I was sitting there learning and hearing others share the stories of his long 103-year life, I began thinking about life and death and my own mortality. And I was reminded of the story of the great Rabbi Zusha, who, who lived and taught in the 1700s. And, and it goes like this. He was praying one day uh, when he had this terrifying vision. And he said, I learned the question that God will ask me about my life. And his friends and followers and those around him were confused by this. Rabbi, you are so faithful and scholarly. You are full of humility. You help those around you. You are caring. What kind of question could possibly be this terrifying? The rabbi answered, I learned that the question will not be, why weren't you like Moses, leading your people out of slavery? God will not ask why I wasn't the best Moses I could be. And I've learned that God will not ask me, why weren't you Joshua, leading your people into the promised land? God will not ask me why I wasn't the best Joshua I could be. And I've also learned that God will not ask me, why weren't you the prophet Elijah fighting against the injustices of the king and queen? God will not ask why I wasn't the best Elijah I could be. I've learned that God will say to me, Zusha, there is only one thing that no power of heaven or earth could have prevented you from becoming. God will say, Zusha, why weren't you the best Zusha you could be? And that's why I'm distraught. I don't think I've been the best Zusha I could have been. Have you been the best you that you could have been? The season that we're in, Lent, it invites us into an intentional time of reflection and introspection to ask questions like that to do that hard work of looking inward as we journey with God. It's the 40 days, not counting Sundays, immediately before Easter. And we spend that time reflecting on the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness and, and his will, uh, ministry that would come after leading to the cross and, and to the resurrection. We remember his fasting, and we remember those times when temptation was around him, and we remember how he drew closer to God and to his community, and we too, use this time to intentionally draw near to God and to our neighbors. 
And this year, we're uh, using the theme again and again based on the curriculum from a sanctified art. And we chose this for a couple reasons. One, we're reminded that again and again, suffering and brokenness find us. We doubt again, we lament again, we mess up again. But we also proclaim that God is with us again and again, that God shows up again and again. And we started this journey back in uh, Mark's gospel, looking at the baptism of Jesus and his time in the wilderness, reminded again and again that God is present and that we are beloved. And last week, we continued in Mark's gospel and saw how denying ourselves might mean to accept the invitation into community, to remember that our journey is not alone, but with God and with community. Today, our passage comes from the gospel according to John, and and that's significant for us this morning. The story of Jesus cleansing the temple is found in all four of our gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but the placement is different. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the story comes near the end of Jesus' life after he enters Jerusalem, where he would be arrested and convicted and crucified. In those Gospels, he enters the temple, uh, driving out all who are selling and buying in the temple, overturning the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold animals. He declared that they were making the temple a den of robbers. And this would be one of his final public acts, the one that moves the authorities to take action that lead to his execution. In John, though, The scene moves to the beginning of his ministry, immediately following his first sign in Cana, where he turned water into wine at a wedding. So it's Passover time. The time of the festival has arrived, and Jesus, with the other pilgrims, traveled to Jerusalem to go to the temple, and while there, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and and money changers seated at their tables, And making a whip of cords, he drove out all of them from the temple, both sheep and the cattle included, pouring out the coins of the money changers and overturning their tables. And note what he says here. He says, stop making my father's house a marketplace. Listen, when Jesus first walks into the temple... He finds what anyone would expect to find during a pilgrimage festival. The sellers of cattle, sheep and doves, money changers, they all existed out of a necessity for the offerings and sacrifices. For pilgrims who traveled from afar, who couldn't bring their own animals to be sacrificed, who wanted to make sure that their sacrifice was pure and acceptable, they brought money to buy these animals from these sellers. And for other pilgrims who did not have the right currency to give their offerings, these money changers were there so that the pilgrims could give correctly according to the law. And while we assume that the transactions were not done fairly, that there was corruption and exploitation of the people, especially if we draw from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this does not seem to be John's emphasis in telling this story. Remember, the temple in Jerusalem was built as God's permanent dwelling place. Throughout Israel's history, they had carried the presence of God with them. 
from slavery in Egypt through the wilderness all the way until they built the temple. It was the place to remind them of God's covenant with them, to be present with them, where they understood their common identity as God's chosen people. But by Jesus' time, Israel is under Roman rule. And the temple was also the place connected to Roman authorities. The chief priests and other temple leaders were appointed by Roman officials, and they served Rome's interest. And during the occupation, Rome controlled the temple. Rome benefited from the financial systems of the temple. And so when Jesus walks into the temple... As he sees the corruption, as he sees the exploitation, as he feels in his body and his being the oppression of his people, Jesus is so overcome with grief, maybe disgust, with anger, that he can't help but overturn tables and drive everyone out. What was once holy, you have made it a place of profit. What was once holy, you have used to cheat your neighbors and your community. What was once holy, you have turned into a tool of the empire. When Jesus walks into the temple, he is not simply addressing what he sees before him. He's calling for a complete dismantling of the entire system that exists. So I wonder, when you go out in your community, in your world, when you are out and about, are you ever so overcome with grief or disgust or anger that you can't help but overturn tables and drive everyone out? Where are the places we need to be calling for a complete dismantling of entire systems? This week I was uh, in conversations with some clergy colleagues and we were asking ourselves how church needs to change post-pandemic. And we asked ourselves how the current ways of doing things fall into the trap of white supremacy and ableist culture, even at times advancing those systemic sins. And this week I watched and rewatched the video of a man in New York who hit a 67-year-old woman more than 125 times, followed by stomps and spits initiated by an anti-Asian misogynistic slur. Just days before the one-year marking of the shootings in Atlanta that left eight dead on March 16, 2001, a shooting that was targeted because the shooter wanted to remove a, quote, temptation that he was worried that he was, quote, falling out of God's grace. This week I heard Russian President Vladimir Putin quote Jesus, saying, no one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend, taken from John 15. This power-hungry, despotic war criminal 
used Jesus to justify his violence and encouraged others to kill in the name of that Jesus as the greatest love. Friends, the church is not blameless or innocent in these situations and many more. What in our faith needs to be dismantled? But thank God that sin and death Destruction, dismantling, thank God that those are not the final answer. See, Jesus, he offers the leaders an alternative. Verse 18, they, they ask him, hey, what sign can you show to us for doing this? And, and he answers, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Three days I will raise it up. Destroy this temple. Destroy it. I wonder if Jesus is giving them and to us the permission to destroy and to dismantle the things we have built, perhaps things that were once holy that now take us away from God and from God's preferred vision and future for the world. Is Jesus calling us, in fact, to dismantle and to destroy the things we have built? But Jesus doesn't leave us there in the depths of destruction. Jesus offers a new way, a hopeful way, a new temple. Jesus offers himself the the invitation and the promise on our journey, even through the pains of letting go of what once was. The promise is that Jesus is the new temple, the one who will be present with us as our Israelite forefathers and foremothers carried God's presence with them and put God in a box. Jesus invites us into relationship today. For we are not alone. Our hope is not in the worldly things. Our hope is in the everlasting presence and promise that Jesus is in our lives. So may that be what guides us. May that hope be what guides us through these trying times and may our visions for the world align with God's heart as we live into our purpose of becoming Christ in the community because again and again, we build up monuments and again and again, we're called to destroy them for the sake of relationship, for the sake of the world. Amen? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this time together. For the reminder that in our journeys we'll experience both heartache and joy. That we will experience what it means to do life in this broken world. And yet you invite us, you call us to do the hard work of destroying. Build us back up, God. Build us into the people you call us to be. And invite us into that relationship with you that we might be the presence of your love and hope and peace and joy in all the world. It is in Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, so that was uh, the third sermon of this Lent series again and again. Uh, here at Bothell, we're inviting uh, our community to uh, take a look at the world around 
um, to see how injustices uh, uh, come to light in our community and what our response might be. You know, we want uh, to identify what it is that our hearts are being called to connect to, to feel the pains of the world, and then to take an action step. Uh, is it to, to learn more about uh, an issue or a cause? Is it to see um, who might be uh, doing that work already? Is it to, to find a group to partner alongside or someone to have a conversation with? But whatever it might be, we would love for you to do the same, that we might all be making an impact in our communities as we uh, do one small thing uh, for God's uh, glory and for the transformation of the world, uh, for transformed people, transformed relationships and transformed conditions. Uh, tune in again next week as we continue on in this series again and again. Uh, talk to you soon.